well, we can talk about these certain things. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Wolfpack Podcast, where we talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly topics that are happening on a weekly basis in the entertainment industry. I'm your host, Wolfson, and without further ado, let's get down with the shitness. But before we get started, I just want to address what happened last week. Why there wasn't an episode of the Wolfpack Podcast? Well, simply terms, I was overwhelmed with my day job. There you go. That's the only excuse I can give you guys. Other than that, I managed to upload an, an episode of the Lone Wolf Podcast, which is, has been a while with our Puerto Rican DJ, DJ John Brock, you know, telling us how the Puerto Rican scene and the EDSM is handling over there. Seems to me like there's like a kind of a rise of the Latin community taking over EDM and vice versa. Everybody's doing little edits of house with reggaeton artists here and there. And for me, I could give free thoughts about it. But other people, we actually, they do care about it. So it's like, you know, all right, it's booming. You know, at least in Puerto Rico, we got some little bit of house here and there. Not that I really care about it, but, you know, it's it's booming. It's there. It's still alive for a little bit. So, guys, check that out on last week's episode at LoneWolfPod or LoneWolfPod.com or even at YouTube.com slash LoneWolfPod at LoneWolfPod or the Lone Wolf Podcast. But you can check all my latest episodes, whether it's the Lone Wolf Podcast or the Wolfpack Podcast. Without further ado, let's get on with what's going on. Well, what are we talking about today, Wolfson? I'll be honest with you guys. Uh, this, this is going to be more of a geeky episode, you know? And what I mean about being geeky episode, I'm going to geek out a little bit about music, uh, musical terms. And also, I'm going to cover some, some other geek nerd related stuff within the realms of you know movies and tvs and as well as video game adaptations and whatnot you know so i'm gonna be kicking out it'll be like less less music more of the other uh all the the above that i usually talk at the end uh, usually at the ends of the episodes yeah it's it's kind of a slow week but i decided like let me talk about samples Bruh. i know guys i know we're over this. We're over this. I know. I get what you guys are saying. We're we're dumb. We we don't need to re recant the not low plagiarism. What now? We move on. Let's go. I get it, guys. I get it. You know. But I felt like I didn't address much on the uh, previous episode. So I want to kind of like talk about a little bit more in depth about samples because like a lot of people are getting a little bit confused between the difference between plagiarism and samples and using samples and I thought that was kind of like I feel like that was like kind of explained in my previous episode but it has brought to my attention and I've noticed in a lot more that a lot of people use samples more on their on their music and a lot of people will criticize us like, oh, you're not even a real producer. You're just using samples. You just slap it and call it a day. One of those criticisms come from me. But I digress. And and I really want to talk about the the use of samples and where it stands for. I'm not going to give you guys a, a, a history about it. I've already talked about it in a previous episode. We don't need to recant the history of how it all started and where they all came about. I want to talk about do we care care that producers use samples like are we actually bit city of the idea that producers use samples on their music do we really care that producers i mean artists or however you want to put it are using other people's sound to slap it on there and call it a day i mean that's i guess that's the million dollar question right personally i really don't care I've used samples before. Emotional, damn Big it. artists have used samples before. <laughs> but here's the thing. Before you take this out of context, because I know somebody out there will be like, oh, you see, Wilson is fake. Wilson is fake. See, he doesn't sound designed. All of this shit is sampling. Congratulations. You played yourself. 
before you get uh, get your panties in a bunch and get everything out of context, let me put this. I use samples, but I destroy the sound, the original sound of it. Let me repeat that. I use samples, but I destroyed the original sound, meaning I resample. And that's an art form of sound designing, something that has been well known and common in the bass community. I don't know how common it is in the house community, but I'm very well, well known that in the bass community, it's something that's very common and everybody does this. How can you tell? How do you know? Well, look at all the Twitch streams or YouTube streams for your favorite bass artists, like Dr. Ozzy, for example, or Tynan. Anybody, anybody, just look at your favorite streamers or your even content creators in the bass community. Just look at them. Notice that the majority of them, when they have their one, their, once they're finished product, it's it's on a waveform, like a sample waveform. It's not on, on Serum or any other plugin. It's literally already a sample and it's had its automation and its mids with its rack and everything. Now, why is that? It's not that it's not, there's no secret behind it. It's because like they already finished the, the original sound that they wanted. So they resample it, make it, make it into a sample itself and just automate it and tune it and work its magic. And then once that got that done, they resample it to a new sound with adding more effects and more stuff. And then they layer it with another one and another one. And each of them has their own thing. And when you play them all together, it becomes this one cohesive, unique sound that you've never heard of. But you need to have all these stuff in order for make that sound like, wow. A lot of people assume that in order for you to get like to sound like one of your favorite artists, oh, it's it's just a plugin. You just go on Serum and and, and retry it and bam. Like there's actually layers behind it. No pun intended. Because there's definitely layers, then you layer sounds. Um, sure, Serum gives you the ultimate, it's the ultimate VST or plugin, however you want to call it. It's the ultimate plugin that allows you and gives you the liberty to recreate some of these sounds. That's how powerful fucking Serum is. But it's oversaturated. So, so what people tend to do is like they create a sound or they get a preset, they resample it. And I feel like I've talked about this plenty of times in the podcast. Like this is the art form of sound designing. You just resample, layer it, add effects, resample and then just add it on top of the original plus other stuff. And before you know it, you get a new sound. That's re that's resampling. That's sound designing. So now here's the thing. If you can actually do that concept, what do you think people are doing when they download samples from sample packs? Emotional damage. I mean, it's basically the same concept. The only thing is that you just skip the part where you had to create a new sound from from Serum or Massive or Faceplan or Vital, whichever BST that you're using, you just basically skipped that part and just went straight to the sample source. Does that make it harder or easy? It's a very, it's a very tough question to answer because it might be harder or it might be easy depending on the producer and depending on how, how good are you on resampling and making sure that you destroy the sound. But the whole point of using a sample is that you you capture someone else's idea and turn it into your idea by flipping it, by destroying the sound, by doing little parts here and there, like doing some crazy stuff. Before you know it, the, the whole that little idea becomes a whole song. And before you know it, holy shit, your song sounds fucking dope. Yeah, because what you did, it's the work. Basically, you have to put in the work. You can't just skip it. Not like many other house producers that we know. That they just like found the found a dope idea. They slap it and that's their idea. I know a lot of people, and you guys have already heard some of this. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not putting out names. You guys can check out my podcast. I I called them out, not in a bad way, but I see it how it is. Okay. And then you got artists like not low that basically just instead of use doing the samples and loops, is is and just transform it and do the work, do the actual work. She just slaps it and call it a day. But worse, she actually slaps the demo track into her song and call it a day. 
again, we're not going back again. We're not going back. We're going to move forward. Okay. But the question still remains, do we really care if we use samples on our musics? I mean, does it lose the essence of an artist? I guess this stems from, you know, from people not knowing, living in this uh, blissful ignorance and knowing that every sound that you're, the artist does is its own unique creativity, that that's, that artist made it. And depending on how you feel, it's like you feel some sort of a pride. It's like, man, this guy saved my life or this guy likes to make me feel like this way because of this sound, this song. Only to later find out that he didn't even made it. It was someone else. So how do we feel about that? Do we really care how the artists, how the artists actually use the sample and made you feel like this way? Because it's not his creativity. It's someone else's. He's just like flipped it over and make it into his own. That's basically it. Do we really care? For some, they care. I feel like a lot more people care when it's, when they're music producers, I feel like music producers care a lot more because it takes away the creativity, takes away like, hmm, I don't know if it takes away the creativity. It's more because if when you resample some of these samples, it gives you a, a, another level of creativity that you can actually, you know, take it to the next level. It's like this sound is dope. Let's see what else I can do. So I don't know about creativity. I'm going to scratch that out. I feel it's more of the sense of ego where a lot of producers um, feel like I've worked my butt off to make a unique sound and sound different. And I'm trying to expose myself to be one of the next up and coming artists here and there. And then here you got this guy who who gets all the bookings and all the oh, all the label releases and he doesn't even make his song. Like, what's the difference between me and him? I think that's exactly what a lot of producers feel about. Because a lot of consumers don't really care where you got the sound from or how you made it. They only care like it's, it sounds dope, it sounds dope. That's that's the general consumer. Sure, there might be some fans that be like, yo, what what the F, man? Like, this doesn't sound good. Or, yo, like, you're, you you don't know how to produce. Like, this sounds like they are. They're, they're fans. They're definitely going to be some people that are going to be like that. Um, I don't know if people really care. I... I have the assumption that people really don't care what you what you get your sound or music as long as it sounds dope and it sounds good and they want to play it. That's that's what it is. That's what sells. That's why they say um, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And it, because it's been new, it, it, people been using samples for quite some time. It's not like it's something new that just spurred out of the moment, came out of nowhere and bam. Like, no, no, no. Like people have been using samples for quite some time. People don't even realize that some of the, your favorite, some of the favorite artists whose their greatest songs probably have used samples before. It came from a sample. I mean, we talked about this. We talked about Will Tarea. He mentions that one of his songs that's released, he said it himself, they came from one sample. And everything else is came from that one sample. That's creativity. That's sound design. That's pure genius because I didn't even realize there was a sample until he told me. But people are like, blissful ignorance like they really don't care as long as it sounds dope and as long as you're not doing anything illegal like like not low that she basically plagiarized as long as you're not doing anything illegal and it's valid and it's good then we're good to go but i feel like again i do understand the bass community or and producers in general when they feel like fuck man like i've worked i worked my ass off to to make this sound dope and sound original as possible nobody wants to look at me but this guy, Joe Schmo, made most, most of his songs by samples and, and people are writing his, you know. And I get it. I get the frustration out of it. Because it's not fair that somebody who barely has done any, any level of production or has done like any music production and yet he's able to get all the bookings and all the, all the label releases. That's not fair. Of course not. And I'm I'm very against those type of people because they barely done any of the work. Oh, I, I'm in the studio doing hours. Like, <laughs> bitch, you've only there for 30 minutes and you already come up with something. Oh, because you got your sample library. Like, get out of here. It takes you 30 minutes just to look one sample that you haven't used or you haven't heard. It's like, okay, let's use this one. And then you flip it around. Fuck out of here. Congratulations. You played yourself. Unagi.
This is where I come with the conspiracy territory. There's a reason why some of these artists actually um, get these bookings and get these on label releases. It's a very simple. It's who you know. <laughs> Say it one more time. It's it's not what you know. It's who you know. You can be literally the most talented music producer that could be in this entire world. You can have like thousands of followers. But if you don't know anybody within that can look at you and be like, all right, let's make business. Nothing you can do. You're not going to progress any longer. And it sucks that it worked. That has to work that way. Like that's how the industry really works. But yeah, it, it's basically who you know. Why else you think some of these house artists that I know that I've talked about that barely does any sound designing yet they get plays by 4B and plays by, you know, by Martin Garrett and other shit, you know? I'm not trying to call them out. I'm just trying to look at the hypocrisy that comes out of it. You know, it's like, yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm I'm Albert Calvin artist that you know I work my ass off to make a song. I was like, well, technically you 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 your songs are made out of loops and samples, but you flipped and you made, you made stuff out of it. But it's not like you you did any job. You just slap it around to make it a song at that center call of the day. If it sounds dope, it sounds so. And that we we the people don't care until we find out the truth. It's only when it finds out the truth that people really care. Other than that, people really don't give a rat's ass. It's it's the it's the truth, honestly. As a me as a producer, I really don't care. I really don't care. But I just like to point out the hypocrisy. And you as a producer, how you feeling? I'm not gonna tell you how you feel. You have every right to feel the way you feel about it. I just. I just take my advice in all this. Don't let it get into you that much. Just be better and just just make dope stuff. Just make dope stuff. Eventually, you're going to get discovered. But if it doesn't work out, like then you have to network your ass off. You have to go out there. You got to meet people, network and collab with people, work with people, like do stuff. Yeah, because that's exactly how some of these people actually get in touch with these labels and these um. When these shows, because they know people, because they network with people and they work around. That's how they get all these bookings. That's how they get all these, you know, label releases because they network. At the end of the day, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Very important. So do we care about samples? I really don't care. I use them. I don't just slap it and call it a day. No, I literally... Reuse them and and flip it around. Others do the same. Others do half and half. And others just slap it and call it a day. Sounds is like you didn't do, you didn't plagiarize. Sounds you didn't steal and call it that yours. Then we're on the good. Other than that, but then that's why we got Splice where Splice says it's royalty free. You know? Well, those are my thoughts, guys. Um, Let's move on to the next topic because... um. This is something I want to talk about. This is something that Nazar actually tweeted uh, the other day, which I found it very, very interesting. You know, I like I like his point of view on this. So as we got right here, he tweeted on this and I'm going to read it out for you guys. So Nazar Music, this is where he wrote. What some producers don't realize is that they're overproducing the living hell, hell out of their music for the sake of being different. We talked about this. Uh, the truth is 98.9% of listeners do not know or care for the complexity of ad- ad- additive synthesis, blah, blah, blah. Save yourself the stress and have more fun writing music instead of treating it like, uh, like uh, instead of treating it like Cody. We talked about, we literally just talked about do, do the people really care about using samples or not? I say no. Based on what I've seen, people really don't care about, about people using samples. No, not really. Not even the slightest. And this just backs it up for what I'm trying to say. And it's true. Just like save yourself the stress and have fun. I'm just writing a song, writing a dope song. And I guess that's exactly where some of these other house producers were coming into. They were just writing a dope song, you know? And if it works, it works. And it's like, yeah, well, you know, that's this. As a bass producer, I'd, I'd rather, you know, to work a little bit more complexity. 
there's some little pushbacks here and there from what he was saying, but I don't disagree what he's saying. And it's true. Maybe it's it's self-ego that we basically like can't handle the fact that our stuff has to be, you know, perfect, you know? But like he says, like 98 per, 99% of the listeners don't don't even know or don't care where you got the sound from. Like they don't they don't need to. As it sounds dope, let's go. You know, that's all they care. Let's read more. Um here's here's some things. Uh, this tweet was not meant as a personal attack on people who love sound design. The main point is if you focus less on making certain sounds and more on making a song, it could be useful in elevating your songwriting experience. Less is more. 100% facts. Less is more. Here are some examples of producers that I feel like have mastered the art of complex design and great sound design. Salt and Company, Wig, Liz. Who? Lizdeck? Lizdeck? Sabla? Eptic? Aaron? Ivory? All completely different yet distinguishable. That's actually pretty dope. Uh, a lot of good positive you know, reviews out of it. Um, I can agree with Sultan. I can agree with Company. I can agree with Eptic and Ivory. I don't know about who these other guys are, like Wink, Lizdeck, Subla, and Aaron Hill, Aaron Hibel, Aaron Hibel. Sorry, guys. I don't know about those guys. I've never heard of them, but I, I'll take his word for say, like, yeah, these are actually very dope producers and stuff. I mean, shit, you got Company and Ivory and Eptic, like their sound design is a whole nother level. So, yeah, I agree. All right, guys. So that statement itself, it was actually pretty good. And I'm looking at some of the comments. So you're, I'm just trying to read it out. So you're, so you, so are you, so are you saying that spending too much time making their, their sound design and need to spend more time creative with writing? I just don't really understand your point. Okay, sort of. Yes, I personally think that spending more time working on finding themes that make your sound music unique instead of racking your brain on making insane bases or fills can go a very long way in distinguishing your music as uniquely as yours my opinion of course um other people i guess this is a negative co comment it says i just find it fun to i just find it fun to make really weird sounds with really today eight percent of it never even gets used in an actual any uh, actual songs but it's still lit but yeah for release it releases songs right you should always come first more power to you my g as long as you're having fun that's all that matters that's true writing Writing uh, music and sound design are two separate things. I understand your viewpoint, but how is someone supposed to find their sound if they don't care about the complexities of themselves? And this is something that a lot of people are having, you know, crosshairs. A lot of people are having like a lot of a lot of um, problems with when they're when they're doing uh when they're coming up as an upcoming artist. The their, the biggest problem that they ever face is um, coming up with their own sound design, with their own unique sound, the sound that distinguishes them. It's very hard, especially on such an oversaturated um, industry where mo the majority of people like they almost sound the same because they all have the same patterns or they sound sounds. And you're trying to sound as unique as possible. It's very difficult, and it's something that I've talked about when using serum because everybody managed to get serum. Everybody has serum. And I can tell when somebody using a serum sample because it's just, it's, it's basically, it's the same thing over and over. And I can just hear it out, how they get spaced out and whatnot. It gets oversaturated. It gets to a point that it's like, I, I'm, I'm tired of it. A lot. And a few producers have talked, have told me, it's like, nah, I feel like zero is very limitless. There is no limit to it. I'm like, I disagree. I disagree. Serum is it can be limited because if everybody has it, everybody's gonna sound the same because everybody will have the ability to be like, well, if it sounds dope like this, why do I need to keep messing around with it? Sounds dope, just call it a day and that's it. People are gonna stop, you know, creating because if the more they create, it's like, oh fuck, it started to sound like crap. Like, no, no, let me turn it back. And a lot of producers are gonna say, you need to clean this up. So obviously, it becomes its own limited form. You know, now. Now, creating a basic, simple sound and then resampling and adding layers to it, that's a different story. 
Now you're now you're not be, now you're not limiting yourself. Now you're becoming limitless of what you can actually create on your sound design. So when he says about writing music and sound design, two separate friends, I uh, had to push back on the on that. Um, but Nazar actually replies back: instead of worrying about a tonal identity, worry about a sonic one. Ask yourself what elements within a song makes it unique to you. This isn't exclusive to sound design. In fact. In my opinion, boggling your mind with complex sound design can make certain sounds sounds tasteless. I agree. I agree. Welcome back again to the to the whole sound designing with serum. You know, it becomes very tasteless. It becomes very stale over Saturday. Like everybody knows it. Like everybody has that. Like how many times have we've heard cymatic sounds, cymatic presets? How many times have we listened to the virtualized vengeance pack on serum? How many times have we listened to a Zomboy sound, roasted sound wave? How many times? Like, guys, it becomes too much. It's like, it's like, it's not, it's like, why do I need to listen to yours if decision does a better job? And that's where we got to come up with the, that's where we, that's where we got to come up with the, you know, the, the creativity to become much more different. I'm reading some of these others, you know, uh, sometimes uh, joy. Okay. I write. I write and arrange the entire song for an, in an hour, or else I'll usually step into over. Da, da, da. Hive. To me, that's my favorite part how intricate I can get my instruments while balancing a heavy rhythm, not rhythm mindset. I don't care if people hear everything or not. I know I spend months on the song. It's just a bigger self accomplishment. Ikali, you're the, like the last person to talk about Ikali. Yep, two sides of the end of that coin, though. Computer music without proper layering, humanization sounds pretty dry and soulfulness. Uh, should have about that. You should have thought about that when you had that domestic uh, charges, brother. Uh, I mean, the rest of this is just self-explanatory, and yeah, I agree with Nazar, man. Like, shout out to him, bro. He definitely, he definitely hit the nail in the coffin in this, man. He really did, you know. Um, let's move on to other topics, you know, let's, let's get away from the, from the music aspect and let's move on to movies and TVs. Cause we definitely got a lot to talk about on this aspect. Um, let me see. Let me see. James Gunn on Guardians of the Galaxy 3. This is something pretty interesting. James Gunn has weighed in, in the superhero fatigue debate saying it, it exists, but people are actually bored of a bunch of nonsense on screen without an emotional grounded um, story. In another instance, it says that uh, James Gunn says that su superhero fatigue isn't about superheroes. I think there is such a thing as superhero fatigue. I think it doesn't have anything to do with superheroes. If you have, if you don't have a story of a, at the base of it, just watching Finns bash each other, no matter how clever those rashings moments are no matter how clever the designs and the vets are it just gets fatigue and i think that's very very real i have to agree with that part you know i don't feel like there's such a thing as a as a fatigue in um in the superheroes granted it has become a little bit more a lot more and it's getting to a point that's getting oversaturated but i feel like a lot of the movies that are getting recently released is more about let's see what sits in the wall and let's see if this well. There's not a plot, an actual plot that can give you a sort of a guidance of where this is going. There's no emotions behind it. It's just, you know, whatever this just happened. Like, for example, the Eternals movie, that movie was garbage. That movie is garbage and it was way long than what it should be. That like it was bad. There was no sense of direction. It was just going back and forth all over the place and and try and making a lot of actors and a plot twists to make it interesting. It's like it still wasn't good enough, you know. Um, Ant Man and the Wasp and the Quantum Manium, despite what people say that it's garbage, it's not garbage. It's actually pretty good. It's it's a good. It's not better than any other movies that we've seen before. It's definitely better because it has a sense of direction. And it, and it kicks off the start of, of the next phase's main villain, which is Kang the Conqueror. Yeah, like there's a very difference about certain movies in which it feels like the same. And then there's movies that feel like, oh, my God, this is amazing, you know, like 
like for example, the Avengers Infinity War and, and Endgame, that had a sense of purpose. That had a plot. The both movies, even though they're both a continuation of one and the other, both movies has two different storylines, two different plots to talk about, and they still capture the moment. They do. So I agree with James Garner on that aspect, especially on Guardians of the Galaxy. Now that's coming out, which is supposedly the last Guardians of the Galaxy movie. I don't know if they're going to make any more. But Chris Pratt says that, you know, that the characters are, are willing to open to re re reprise their roles again. I'm um, probably a future movies like the Nets Avengers movie or something like that. We'll see. We'll see what goes. Let's talk about the movie trailers that we've seen this week. It's been a lot of movie trailers that we've seen. One of them that we're about to see is um, the Blue Beetle. This, when I, as soon as I saw this, I was like, whoa, bro. And it, it, it caught me off guard because I've been hearing about the Blue Beetle for quite some time. And, and to be honest, I had zero expectation behind it and I wasn't like not too thrilled about it. So I was like, whatever with this movie. But as soon as I saw the trailer, I was just like, what is going on? And maybe, maybe the trailer got me. Maybe the trailer got me. But as soon as I saw this trailer, it, it was like, okay, you're telling me a story and you're giving me some of these cool effects and some of these cool visuals. Now, I don't know if it's, I don't know if uh, based on the comedic tone, it looks like it's like action adventure slash comedy. So it has a little bit of both. I hope it, it's not that they're trying to do a little bit like Marvel style, like Marvel fire by, you know, make it all comedic and give you, you know, bash and dust and whatnot. But so far, the way I'm looking at this trailer, it looks amazing and it looks very on point. And it's definitely something that DC needs. You know, DC needed this type of, trailer to put to give the people at ease it's like no don't worry about it dc is not messing anything up we're actually make taking this to the next level and i love this sense of direction because that means that james gunn is actually doing a great job with with this you know and i'm just gay i'm just looking forward to the to watching the, what the what the rest of this does i'm not gonna put out more about it but just so you guys know what i'm talking about and let me see any other comic. Yeah, I got I got another comic one, and it's called Spider Man. Spider Man does whatever Spider Man does. Yeah, it's Spider Man into the Verse Part Two, as you can see right here in the screen. <coughs> as you can hear in the screen, uh, Miles Morales. I forgot who was the uh, the voice actor, but reprises their role. He's back again. And this is like going to be a little bit more epic because now it's coming like to find out that there's more to the story about the Spider-Verse. Now there's more multiple Spider-Mans that they're actually like trying to save the world or save the universe or the multiverse. And it seems like they're, you know, they're trying to recruit Miles Morales to be this certain Spider-Man. And they're telling him, you got to be this Spider-Man. You got to make these certain sacrifices. And he's like, no, I don't want to. I can do both. I can be. Miles Morales and Spider-Man. Everybody's like, no. And he's like, well, I can. And like any other teenager will say, well, I can do it. Well, they don't know any good. They're teenagers. They don't know what the adults know, you know? So it just shows some of the visuals. Um, It seems like there's going to be some tragic endings. Like, But we got a, a few, you know, few Spider-Mans are reprising their roles. And yeah, visually, I mean, the animation out of it, it looks on point. It's going to look great out of it. And it seems like Miles Morales is going to be like some sort of the, the protagonist, but he's also going to be like being chased down, followed by a bunch of other Spider-Man so they can, so he can realize like, dude, what you're doing is messed up. This is why I don't know what's going on with this, but that's, that's what it looks like. And I'm looking forward to it. The first into the verse spider, uh, into the verse, into the spider verse, um, Spider-Man. Was actually pretty good. I'm not gonna deny it. That was a very good fucking movie, man. And I'm excited for it. I'm I'm totally excited for it. Um, next one, I will guess it'll be, I guess, for the little girls out there. It's a Barbie world. You know, it's so fantastic. It's Imagination. But yeah, guys, like 
it's just it, it happened you know we have finally have barbie the movie it's coming with market robbie and ryan gosling and some of your other favorite uh characters or actors and singers and whatnot and yeah the the what you call it the the um, Shang-Chi actor, he's also reprising a role as, as a can. Um, the way they're doing it, uh, I don't know how how this is gonna turn out, to be honest. It doesn't like to me, it doesn't look like it's not something that I definitely will not watch, even though it looks like they're trying to go with the rom-com and into the Barbie world spectrum and whatnot. Eh. I don't know. I feel like that's for for little girls and young teenagers that they want to see the Barbie movie. Like, sure, it's gonna be good for them. For the regular audience, I don't think it's gonna hit the uh, the box office like a lot of people are assuming to. I don't know Warner Brothers. Like, uh, uh, summer bo- uh, blockbuster. Hold your tongue. It's not gonna be like that. All right. Uh, next one. Netflix is actually releasing Extraction Two from Chris Hemsworth. We saw the original first movie, you know, and the way that this is actually the battle sequence of how this is happening. I love the fact that the Russo brothers are back again with uh, with dominating this movie and making this movie like unique again, because the way it's it's been portrayed is like this is exactly a, a, a Russo brothers production. You know, we saw it on Avengers. We definitely saw how their level of production is, and we definitely saw it on the original first extraction movie, even though they were behind the scenes, they were like, we didn't direct this. We were just, you know, produce and give the money out of it. They had some sort of a control. Absolutely. Because the way it's been portrayed. Oh, yeah, bro. Like this is Russo production all over. Like I see it and it looks on point. You know, guys, I love the direction. I want to know more about the story and how he survived and everything. And I cannot wait for Netflix to release this. You know, it's coming out this summer. I believe it was July. It's going to mention right there. Written by Joe Russo. June 16. There you go. Yeah. Written by the Russo brothers, you know, and produced by it as well. So, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for this movie. It's been a while since I've seen a, a great action movie, probably like Top Gun Maverick, which is actually pretty dope. I don't know any other action movies. I feel this year. Oh, yeah. Mission Impossible. The Ghost Protocol. That has to be good. I don't know anything else that's coming over, but let me know in the comments down below what other movies that we're looking forward to this year. Um, next topic. Oh, we need to talk about this. The review of The Mandalorian, guys. So we're right now in episode six. I'm not going to spoil anything. I'm not going to say anything, guys. But I will say this. I will say this. So far, it's been all over. Obviously, I continue to watch this show because fuck the Mandalorian. It's this is the way, but it's been all over a place. Like versus the two scenes, it's all about taking, making sure you take the kid to 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 the Jedi Council, to the last surviving Jedi, or to a Jedi wherever, and exploring the worlds, exploring all the worlds. I guess what they were trying to do at first is like show the kid the ropes that this is how we do things, but then it got sidetracked by something else, and then becoming you know. Didn't John by redeeming himself for being an apostle and then redeem back to the Mandalore, you know, family. And then you see a bunch of other stuff happening. It's like it's 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 like all over the place. Like There's a lot of things, you know, but so far the action scenes are good. Everything is on point. It's just I hate the fact that that everything looks like we haven't figured out what's the theme of this season or what's and or what's going to you know, define the series, you know, fortunately we haven't found that yet. And it's, it's concerning me. It's concerning me to the point, like, where is this heading? Are like, is this how it's going to be in the rest of the series of the Mandal of the Mandalorian? Because this is a show that I don't want to get canceled. I don't want to stop at season four and that's it. We're done. But on p- episode five, they picked up the source of like, all right, this is the fiend of this season. And this is where it's the direction that they're heading towards uh the rest of the series which is like damn it took five episodes for it to find the actual direction of the series of this what's what's come the next series of the season but it gave the direction it's so far i was like man finally we got something out of it you know and 
yeah, I love so far the direction. I'm not going to spoil much. And, you know, yesterday or the day after Wednesday's episode, it was pretty good. It's still it's still like trying to find its place. But at least I know that the, the direction that they're trying to do and what they try to achieve by. So it, Mandalorian is giving me like a little bit of, um no, don't mess this up. Don't mess this up. And it's not John Favre's fault. It's definitely not his fault. I don't blame him. It's the studio interference that 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 it's happening within Disney that they're trying to interfere with with John Favre's creativity. Lucasfilm's um president, um, I forgot her name, but she's uh, she's been it's been known that she's been interfering with John Favre's work with the Mandalorian as much as can, and that's a freaking mistake because all you're just trying to do is take away the creativity, the storyline of the show. And you're going to kill a, um, a potential huge franchise all because you want to interfere. This is where I stand by, you know, let the creators create, you know, don't give them any sense of guidance, maybe a little bit here and there, but don't force them to like on their throats to say, this is how it's going to be like, no, because what you do is that like, you'll make John Favre, um like not want to work with the Mandalore. And as soon as John Favre leaves, Mandalorian is not going to be the same. It's going to be like another book of Boba Fett. Take it with you will, guys. Um, Last few topics. Oh, yes. Resident Evil 4, guys. It has been released. I haven't talked about it. Guys, it's a freaking masterpiece. Once more. Once more. It's a freaking masterpiece. Guys, the actual game itself, for those of you who are wondering whether you it worth playing it again or not, it's definitely worth playing it, guys. Like you can see in the graphics right there. Like the game itself, take it to the next level once more. I mean, Capcom, Capcom went above and beyond on this. And I'm just so looking forward to like what else is coming. Like I started to play a little bit of the game and I was just like, man, there's some aspects that I don't remember this much. And some of the aspects that I like, oh yeah, I remember this, but it's like, this look different. It's a reimagining and it was like, the graphics are beautiful. The RE engine from Capcom, top notch, you know, kudos for you guys. And, and it's the same RE engine that they use for their previous Resident Evil games, like the remake of 2 and 3 and um, Re Resident Evil Village and Resident Evil Biohazard and also Devil May Cry 5. Same RE engine. Like they did a phenomenal job. And so far, I'm enjoying playing it. Haven't finished it. I haven't had the chance to uh, play a lot of it. But the, the, the times that I've been playing it, it's like enjoyed every moment of it. You know, so guys... I highly recommend you play Resident Evil 4 Remake. It's it's a wonderful masterpiece, you know. Um, yes, let's talk about this. Um, Gears of War movie adaptation on Netflix. So this is what everything that we know about it. Um, there was this recent update, yeah, like a, almost like three weeks ago or something like that. Was this recent update? Um, so here's what we got. Uh, Netflix is further entering into the video adaptation, which I feel like. Mm, I hope it doesn't become another Resident Evil in Netflix because they're going to mess that up. <clears throat> um, announced, announced on November 7, 2022, and they're working on two Gears of War projects. Uh-huh. The projects that developed by the coalition, Netflix announced. Oh, this is the latest thing. They announced that John, the, the writer John Spatz, he wrote Doom 1 and 2 and Doctor Strange have been attached to the project in the statement. Okay, so Doom writer and Doctor Strange's writer is now on top of Gears of War. I don't know if that's a good thing or that's a bad thing. I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know if this is going to work out, guys. I honestly don't know. I'm afraid because a freaking Netflix butcher a lot of the butchering a lot of of their adaptations that cowboy bebop adaptation oh my god how much they butcher it man <laughs> so it's like i don't know i don't know if in and i don't know if, it, if if it's gonna be good or bad honestly i don't know so i'm very skeptical about it honestly i'm very skeptical about it so hold my breath out of it I uh, just hold my breath and I'm not not too thrilled about Netflix. Um, the next thing I want to show you guys is E3 has been canceled. This is something that a lot of people have been talking about. 
E-Free getting canceled. Like, this is the first time a huge um, video game convention ever canceled. Like, E-Free was known to be, like, like what it is on Comic-Con San Diego. It was known to be, like, the best of the best of the conventions. And, and putting them right there to say, like, all right, we're here and we're here to stay and whatnot. And we're going to show you guys what's coming up with the next consoles, what's coming up with the next game developers, what cool games and this and that. And in the recent years, it hasn't been going well for them. And the reason why it hasn't been gone well for them, it's because ever since PlayStation decided to like not participate in their E3 events and decided to do it on their own with, it, which is, with their state of the play, it was only a matter of time until every other game developer or you know platform decide to follow that same trend. It's like, why are we spending hundreds and not thousands of dollars on going to this and explain where we can do it on our own time, our own pace, and say and cut that the money out of it? Well, other platforms like Nintendo and Xbox followed that trend. They both pulled back from E3, which the which was the only basis of having E3 in the beginning. It's to have all three platforms. One of them hasn't been in E3 for like years since they announced Ghost of Tsushima and Last of Us Part 2. That was their last performance on E3. After that, they'd be like, we got this on our own, you know? And it wasn't, it was only a matter of time. Sure, sure, late, but, sh but sure. Microsoft and Nintendo pulled back. And as soon as Microsoft pulled back, I feel like E3 was losing their grip. And all of a sudden, Every E3 got canceled. E3 got canceled. The show did not garner the sustained interest necessary. IGN reported it just like it said, almost a year after announcing its return. Um, e e Entertainment Software Association announced today that, that its members that this year's um, E3 has been canceled. And IGN can confirm. Two sources that confirmed to IGN that the organization announced the cancellation via email sent to the members today. The email said that E3 remains beloved event and brand. That 2023 20, uh, version simply did not garner the sustained interest necessary to execute it in a way that showcased the size, strength, and impact of our industry. And I feel it's because everybody was pulling out. As soon as Nintendo and Microsoft pull out, everybody else is like, pull out. Because it's like, so... What's the whole point of me revealing? I can just go to one of those platforms and reveal it in their platforms, in their whatever video. That's essentially. ESA uh, concludes the email by reiterating its uh, commitment to advocate work. Does not mention undertaking the show again in future years. Knowing the IGN's report, the ESA issued a public statement. Uh-huh. Um, we're sorry. We can't put out the showcase you deserve and you can't expect on Repot's event. Whatever. Their express release Ads, Repop, and SA will continue to work together on the future of E3 if there's going to be any. The event was supposed to be held on June 13th through June 18th, but, you know, since 2019, the event was canceled due to 2019 COVID. Digital was, version was put in 2019. The event was canceled in 2020 in an effort to focus revising the showcase. That was a new uh, standard for hybrid industry events. Everyone has announced. But yeah, guys, no, it's, it's mostly, oh, I didn't know. So it was Xbox, Nintendo, PlayStation, and Ubisoft. So it's, it's, see, it, it, it's a domino effect, basically. It's a domino effect. It's a domino effect. Like once one of the, once the platform leaves, the others are going to also do the same thing. And once they leave, game developers are going to follow that trend. And so it's like, why, why am I going to be here? Like, what's the whole point? So it's like, I, I, feel, I feel what they're saying. I, I understand what they were going through. So anyways, guys, that's it for today. Um. Oh, hold on one second. Oh, shit. This just in. Breaking news. As I'm recording this, they literally just released a new Ashoka trailer. The next, the next Disney Plus series, um, Lucas Phil's and the Star Wars universe. Ashoka trailer. I have not seen this. I just got, I just got a text from my cousin telling me it's out. Hold on. Hold on. I'm going to put a little... So we can hear it, and I'm gonna make it a little bit fast. I don't, you know, I don't want to get copy strike, but let's see what's up. Something's coming. Oh boy, this is Something gonna be dark. Good. This is gonna be. Good. I sense it. Rosario Dawn once again being the, uh, Ashoka. She's amazing. War. Okay, what do we got here? Okay. What others? Is this like power? Oh. 
What the? What? An inquisitor? Inquisitor? Things have changed. Is this like after or during? I started hearing whispers. Oh, the Senate. About Thrawn's return. That, that we see these from the Andor series. We have to prepare oh. the worst. Jedi oh, left hand though. Perhaps it is time to begin again. Yo, looks dope. Looks promising. Looks promising. Um, box on that. Looks very, very, very promising. This is breaking news. I'm not kidding, guys. This is my my dumb reaction. I've not seen it. Wow. Wow. Just happy that we managed to see that. I don't know where the direction is going for, but we did see some familiar faces from the Andor series. And new Inquisitors, I believe. Um, wow. she. I don't know if this is like during the... After... After the return of the Jirai or doing the Star Wars original saga is. We don't know. We'll find out. This is exciting. That, that was actually pretty good. That, that's pretty good. And I like to see more of those um, Jedi fights, you know? Well, she's no longer a Jedi. But I like to see that. Um, guys, we're going to wrap it up, guys. We're out of time. Um, thank you guys for listening. And remember, every week is a brand new episode with a brand new topic. So always remember to like and subscribe for your weekly episodes at the Lone Wolf Podcast for SoundCloud, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Apple Podcasts. And of course, the YouTube channel at Lone Wolf Pod. That's right, guys. LoneWolfPod.com or YouTube.com slash The Lone Wolf Podcast or at Lone Wolf Pod. When you can check all your latest episodes of The Lone Wolf Podcast and The Wolfpack Podcast. Comment down below. Let me hear your thoughts. Share your experiences. If you got something to talk about, please let me know in the comments down below, both in YouTube and Spotify or even SoundCloud. And I'll do my best to cover it on the next episode. So thank you guys for tuning in. And we'll see you guys in the next one. All right? Peace.